I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. In today's episode, we review my experience going to the Porto Champions League match and then obviously the Granada match over the weekend. But before we get into those topics, a really quick admin about our Patreon group. For five bucks a month, you can help support the podcast and join our WhatsApp group that is fun and international. We have Kim, who shares the daily newspapers on there. We have a Brazilian expert in Carlos. And of course, you get to talk with all of us from around the world about Barca every day. We also host some listening parties and, like I said, help support the podcast. The link to sign up is in the show notes. After this break, Craig and I do some pub talk about Barca. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so you know, I I love sports and I the international break always sneaks up on me. I don't know what is going on with that. So Craig, you join me on the podcast every other week. Craig, how you doing? Really good. Really good. I think the problem with the international break is that there's now about 400 of them every year. Yeah, so I know. I I feel your pain, mate. I, I it's funny because I, you know, all the news with like the players getting called up and I said, what, this week? And I double checked yeah, and I was like, October wild. 22nd. I was like, come on, we just had a break, you know? It's not good. So, yeah, yeah, it's too many breaks. But anyway, um, like I said at the top of the show, uh, I'm going to just kind of give you my uh, feelings on the Porto match because I was there, share my experience. And, you know, we've talked about this. You know, one of the things for me moving to Spain was to 
live in a football culture and obviously living here in Spain is is check that box. But one of the things on my on my impressive, I have to say, Craig, uh, sports <laughs> list of, of events that I've been to, I've been very fortunate to to witness a lot of cool events was to go to an away Champions League match. And I just mm -hmm. never could do it because of either work or I didn't have the finances or whatever. But now yeah. I was able to do that. First of all, I need to give a shout out to Victor. He helped my friend and I get those tickets through the Pena um, ticket system. And we were able to get that through the sorteo, through the drawing. We got that. So that was awesome. So I want to thank Victor right off the bat because without him, my friend wouldn't have been able to go because he's not a, mm -hmm. he's not an associate. And so, uh, you know, we went to Porto and I don't know if you've been to Porto. Have you been to Porto? No, I've never been to Portugal. No, definitely top five highly recommend cities of Europe. It is an amazing city, like good cost, good weather, beach, good food, good vibe. Good vibras, good vibes all around <laughs> the, city, on the city. So, yeah, so I definitely recommend anyone that goes to Portugal. Like, obviously, Lisbon has, you know, it's the capital and everything, but Porto is a great city. Uh, just has so much uh, vibrancy and excitement going on. But anyway, you know, like I said, I put this on the calendar. I said, I told my friend Jamie, I was like, let's go to Porto. You want to go to the match? He's like, yeah, I'm in. So we go. And, you know, another great thing about living here in, Bar in Europe is the low cost. So it, it was 30 euros round trip from Madrid to Barcelona. Can't beat that. And obviously the hotel wasn't bad either. So to me, it was like a, like a business trip almost essentially going to Porto. Right. I've already been there before. I was able to share some cool dining experiences uh, with my buddy. And also we, we went to some cocktail bars. So we had a really good night on the first night. Second night. Obviously, we had to get our tickets. Uh, it was quite a process. We had to go to the hotel, get our uh, ticket process, and obviously get through security. They give you the bracelet, obviously, that you've got an ID checked. And then we headed to the match later on that night. And, you know, it, it was my first time going in an away match like this. Uh, and so, you know, the whole experience for me was quite new. Obviously, we had to go through one door with the police escort. Uh, but mm -hmm. first of all, I have to say the Porto Stadium is top notch. Like, it is really comfortable. The sight lines are really nice. I think it holds like 60,000, something like this, but mm. you're on top of the pitch. And when we were at, we were at the angle on one of the goal, on one of the corners, and it was a really good angle to see the whole match. And, you know, go on. I was going to say that that's an interesting point, right? Because I remember having a debate. Have you been to Man City? Have you been to their stadium? On, on no, your travels been on around the UK or whatever? I've been to Man U Stadium, but not Man City. Yeah. So... I seen us play against City three times. Did we get them three times in four mm -hmm. seasons or something? Do you yeah, remember? Yeah. yeah. And so I went to all of those games. And I and it's always it's always when it comes to about stadiums, it's always the one that I go back to because I remember saying that that experience was incredible because the stewards are really friendly, mm -hmm. the fans, there was no animosity, we were treated really well. There wasn't a, a police escort to speak of. It just felt really nice. The stadium's new; it's modern. I've been, I've seen gigs there. Sure. I've seen I've seen the Stone Roses and Oasis there, which is amazing. I've also nice. seen football there, and it's just a great place to be. And I've also been to see us in San Siro and Copenhagen, where it's a lot more raucous. Celtic sure. Park's incredible atmosphere, and so it always stirs the debate to me: is what do I want? Do I want a better viewing experience? Nice stadium, feel good, people are nice, or do I want that that bit of morbo, that bit of animosity? Because when I went to sure. Milan. Jesus, it was it was hostile. And I've <laughs> never is, quite yeah. worked out what I want because the idea of being an away fan to me, it's a, it becomes a bit more tribal than a home game. Sure, does. sure, sure, sure. And so it's, I find that a really interesting dynamic. And I, I don't have an answer here, by the way. I'm just throwing out. Of the, so what would you rather have? Would you rather have the stadium like Porto, which is incredible? Or would you rather have that needle, that, that tribalism? 
depends on the age. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, no, no. Like seriously, I, you know, to me now, when I when I go to these type of things, I'm looking for comfort. Unfortunately, I'm just I'm just in that mode now. I was thinking about this too yeah. because I said, why did I like this experience so much? I said, the police were nice, the stewards are nice. We had our group. There was no animosity yeah. really. There was kind of like this respect. There's we don't really have a a massive rivalry with Porto. So I think you know, with being neighboring, good football countries i think that's also helps you know and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know if i were younger i would definitely want to be pushing the limit a little bit more i think it just comes with that mm-hmm. you know when, when you're younger but i can tell you i remember we, we get to our seats and we had no one to our right and my friend goes yes no one to our right and i said yeah that that's true <laughs> it's kind of like one of these yeah. little things you know it's like and i and i really just think it comes down to our age now like to me uh i you know i was prepared mentally for anything Right. Like I didn't know what was going to be. But as soon as we got in and everything was very comfortable, I was like, cool, like I, we're going to be fine. Like I don't have to worry about uh, people mm-hmm. throwing things. I'm, I'm not going to have to like worried about getting out through the stadium or getting back to my hotel and maybe, you know, trying to yeah. get through a fight or anything like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for me, I don't I don't need that now. Maybe when I was younger and when I first got here and feeling invincible, I definitely want to push. Mm-hmm. the needle. But there is something, as you said, the tribal aspect, which I thought was really cool. Right. Because. I've never been kind of in a situation where it was all Barca fans in one cluster like that, right? Where it's like us against everyone else. We're cheering mm-hmm. for our team against your team, right? And, yeah. you know, it was re- it's a really cool feeling, and especially even cooler when we score the first goal on our side. So that obviously helps mm-hmm. with the uh, with the energy of our crowd and so forth. So, But really quick, just to close on the stadium, really nice stadium, modern. I really like the sight lines. It was clean. Like I said, they were treated well. Um you know, maybe a little bit too long of a line for a beer, but you know, it's nothing, <laughs> nothing too crazy. Right. But what I do want to talk to you about, because, you know, always it's, you know, you always hear this idea of watching the match on TV and then obviously watching it live and how you can see the different perspective. Mm. Right. And I think one of the things that really stood out to me in this match was this idea of our midfielder, our midfield, just being ultra conservative in attack mm. and, I was talk- I was talking with random people in my section and they were all pointing it out to me. So it was not just me just saying it to them. They were all saying, you know, everyone's like pointing this. And I was kind of thinking about this. And maybe this is something that Xavi has learned from last year's Champions League of how important this tournament is that he is willing to maybe put a mandate to this midfield during Champions to be more conservative because how important it is for us to advance out of the group. Now I tell you this because there was like at least seven runs that we counted where Gundogan would pass and then drift back. He would not help press and support. Like you would think that he would as a Barca midfielder, you know, press and go, press and go, pass and go, that type of idea. And so I don't know if it translated during the Porto match and maybe you saw it, but we saw it. It was clear as day that there was a mandate just to pass and drop pass and drop mm-hmm. and and basically leaving the wingers balde and cancel outside on their own with support of Jao felix and ferran and that scene but with the midfield they were always kind of just always keeping things in front and obviously the last 10 minutes was a nail biter and so mm. it's kind of like yeah we got the points we are top in the champions league so the results are good like you look on paper is it but man getting through the the last 30 minutes of that match we suffered i mean we completely mm. suffered so I don't know what what did you see in the Porto match because I know Remy talked about this but I just wanted to give you yeah. my kind of two cents when I saw it in person. Yeah, I think there's a few interesting points there, mate. So if you don't mind, I want to pick up a few. Yeah, of them. Yeah. So the first one is, in terms of watching the game live versus watching on TV, like it's so right. I always say to people because you know 
like most of us, I'm assuming, being a Barca fan where I live is the gross anomaly. Like, so, you know, most people are following Newcastle, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, and then the big English teams. So I always say to people, if you never watched Busquets live in person, you never watched Busquets because you just can't appreciate him in the same way that you can in person. To an extent, Messi was the same, despite the fact that everyone agrees he's in top, what, top three is reasonably unargumentative. I think until you've seen him, it's not quite the same. So I think that's really interesting. Did I see it on uh, on telly? Um, probably not to the same degree because you don't get a reaction. I think that's the difference in terms of how you sure. see it live. We probably see the same things, but it feels different because no matter how much we want to say we don't do it, you'll react to the crowd and I'll react to the commentator because yeah, you just yeah. happen to have it. So it wasn't something that I found noticeably frustrating or annoying. Um, I definitely felt that we weren't as gung-ho or... or adventurous or whichever adjective sure. you want to use as we were. And but but what I was gonna say is I, I do I find the idea that we would that we would be more conservative in the Champions League probably not where I'd expect us to be, but I do think that it's not out of the realm's possibility for us to be more conservative away from home in the Champions League. Because what I think as a team we are pretty bad at. Some of it's because of, we, we we've got such a young team is that I do think we allow a crowd to influence us, positive yeah. and negative. I think at home when the crowd's bouncing, the team are bouncing, and I can't quite work out which comes first. And I do think away from home, we, we can get stifled by the crowd. So I do wonder if what Chavi's trying to do is not necessarily de-risk the player, but de-risk the atmosphere. That's an interesting point. I could I could definitely see that for sure. And I think, you know, you know, it's kind of like, what do you prefer, right? Are you willing to be more conservative to kind of hold that lead, especially when we score up one nothing? Or, you know, obviously the other turn is to try to go for more goals, but then that leaves you vulnerable on the other side, right? And so it's kind of one of those things. I'm, you know, when I look at it, I'm happy with how we are performing in Champions League because as we talked about at the beginning of the season, we needed to get out of this group. That is the most important thing for money and all that type of thing. And so I'm okay with how he's doing it right now because we're top of the of the group. We're doing fine. We got this tough away. I mean, we're going to, we should be leaders in the group now. I mean, win the group now, you know, obviously having yeah, yeah, yeah. "Quote unquote toughest match was the away at Porto." Now, yeah. really quick, just some of my initial thoughts in person was Balde. Mm. This kid in person, just like Kunde in person, is the same thing. Physical specimen jumps out at you on the field. Like there's, a, you know, especially in the first half where he was taking chances down the line with Joe Felix. I, I think there's a really nice chemistry building between the two of them that they're taking chances and trying to dip in, mm. in the middle for shots on, on target and so forth. And I think Balde was, and so was Jao Felix, I think the top players for us in the first half, especially just carrying the attack and being uh, relentless with the shots and trying to do stuff. Uh, the other player I wanted to mention too was uh, Fran Torres. You know, obviously Lewandowski comes off injured and I have to honestly say Lewandowski gave me the opposite feelings that I had for Kunde or Balde because Lewandowski like was lethargic the whole time. Mm. Talking to my friend, I said, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, when you're looking at the whole field, the way the team is pressing, you can clearly see that Lewandowski just doesn't have the energy or the stamina to continue to press as maybe Ferran Torres can because he's younger. That's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's one of the things. But especially prior to when he got hurt, you can just see him labor. He's always just kind of, I, I still find that he doesn't know where to go, you know, like he's trying to go up high and the ball goes behind him, you know. That's so interesting, right? And it just looked like that. And when he got off hurt, we were, you know, the crowd was very into having Ferran Torres come in just because of the energy that he was going to bring. Because, you know, you saw on one side, Jao Felix and Balde trying to do their best. And then on the other side, 
you had Cantalo and Laminia Mall trying to do their best. And then in the middle, it just felt like there was an emptiness there. Now, I know Ferran scored the goal on a nice takeaway. I mean, that's what he's got to do. Mm-hmm. But also his pressing is just one of those things as we talked about. You can clearly see that, obviously, in the match live. There's how much he covers the ground and pressures the goalie. And that, I, I find that. that so <laughs> I find that so interesting. And I'm going to give us an, a non Barca example, but in okay. terms of just what you what you see differently live. I remember going to watch Scotland play Spain at Hamden in 2000, and it was either pre World Cup 2010 or pre Euros 2012. Can't remember. Okay. It was that team though. It was that incredible team. I have a feeling it might have been pre-World Cup. And I remember watching Ramos and PK playing at centre-half. And and what was really noticeable, now don't get me wrong, like it's Scotland-Spain. We, we actually sure, sure, we sure. got beat 3-2. We, we, we played well, but you know I understand that they should be able to marshal Kenny Miller in these plays. <laughs> but what was really noticeable in person was just how much of a, as a pair they covered ground in synchronicity. They looked graceful. Strikers were proactively avoiding them. And I'd never quite, because I'd never seen Ramos play without being really drunk. I'd seen yeah. him in the classical, <laughs> I was very drunk. I'd never quite appreciated him as, a, him as a player. I changed my opinion on him that night, but also how him and PK were working together. I would never have got that from the telly because there's no reason to show it unless the unless the yeah, of course. tackle. Of course. Lewandowski's interesting because with strikers, again, you're only going to see them when they're on the ball or should be near someone on the ball. But what I think, to, to your point there... The true strikers, in my opinion, occupy defences for 90 minutes, even if the ball's not there. They're always thinking, Jamie Vardy, for example, is yeah, yeah. always on the move. And p- defenders don't know when to go and when not to. That's a proper striker for me. Now, unless you're a proper number nine goal poacher, I'm thinking the sort of the, the classic Robbie Fowler is the instant one that jumps to mind. Rude Van Nistelrooy, where just don't worry sure. about getting the box. We're going, you're, going, yeah. you're going to score. I don't think Lewandowski that. It is that. So you're right. He needs to be giving defenders something to think about, even when the ball's not there. I don't think we're ever going to see that. No. Unless we're in the stadium. So that's a really interesting observation as to what he is and isn't doing. And to to your point, the great analogy there with Ramos and PK working together, right, as a synergy, mm-hmm. that's the same type of thing that you need when you're pressing, right? Because if one gives up, then all of a sudden there's gaps and it's very easy to break. And that's the thing that, you know, if your mandate or one of your pillars is pressing the other team to try to get a takeaway, you need everyone working the same thing. You know, when you know when he, as you just said, Luis Suarez when he was younger. 90 minutes, like 90 minutes would oh, give them hell. You know what I'm saying? to play again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lewandowski was that player, but unfortunately, just with the age, you're just asking a lot for him, you know, right now. And so yeah. it's it's kind of one of those things where you, you, you're still hoping for that world-class moment, and that's why he's there. But, man, it's, it's really hard to have the trade-off, especially when he's not – Eclipsing so many goals. I mean, you look at yeah. the Pichichi right now. Jude Bellingham is leading right now, you know, and now Lewandowski is going to be out. And it's just a really tricky situation. You know, obviously, we took a chance with this mm-hmm. player. I just see it still trending down. I hope, you know, that he turns the corner. But that, you know, that is one player that really stood out to me. And when Ferran Torres came in, you could see all three moving together with the press mm-hmm. and they were able to get that takeaway that led to the goal. I mean, that's really what it yeah. came down to. So, but all in all, I have to say, uh, great experience. Um, you know, I didn't get any, any fights, uh, which was good. And uh, was a bonus. <laughs> but I, I'm definitely looking forward to my next match uh, for an away match uh, because it was a, a lot of fun, and especially just hearing the Champions League anthem. I mean, that to me is just, just. Did you boo it? Yeah. I uh, I partly cried. You know, I'm just not just kidding. No, I just <laughs> you no. Know, it's just one of those things. Like, um, you know, I, I my sports bucket list as I fill it up. It's just 
you, you know, it's all these things that I never thought as an American, especially mm-hmm. that I would have an opportunity for an away Champions League match on a Wednesday night. Like never in my life, you know, I thought maybe if I retired, I would have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But all the sporting events I've been able to attend, especially just, you know, just going to a normal uh, Barca match, as many Barca matches I've been to, I just I can't get over now that I'm living here that I'm able to fulfill all these things. Like, you know, like I said, I went to Wimbledon. I went to the French Mm -hmm. Open. Like these are things that Mm -hmm. I never even thought I could accomplish in my lifetime. So I'm I'm really happy to be checking off these Euro sporting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, if we just Barca wise, so. Saucy now you've been away in Champions League. You've you've obviously living living the country. Now what's what's left? Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about this. Um, get get get, get the number nine shirt and play up front, eh? <laughs> Press with the three of them, you know. <laughs> Ninety minutes. No, I, I think I think it would be uh, a Champions League home match. I haven't done that yet, so mm-hmm. I th- that's on my list for sure. Uh, this was just just happened to work in the cards because of the of the scheduling, so I'm just gonna do yeah. that. But you know, it's one of those things um, that I'm really gonna try to take more advantage of going to more uh, home matches, especially with the low cost train and the mm-hmm. and the fact that I can work uh, work remotely. I you know I'm gonna be able to try to take more advantage, especially in the second mm-hmm. half of 2024. So definitely yeah. gonna try to do that. So uh, all right, let's get into the latest news of Barca, obviously with Granada match which was troubling, you know, especially I think, you know, with that match, you know, you, you hope that they're focused, it's an away match, and then literally in 23 seconds, Brian Saragossa scores a nice little goal. But again, I don't know if it's a Ter Stegen fault. I don't, like, I don't even know what happened. Like, all of a sudden I went to get water, come back, and it's goal. Like, <laughs> it's like, what, what happened? Yeah, I, I was the same. I hadn't, hadn't even sat down with me cup of tea yet. I thought yeah, I'd be yeah. all right, surely. Um, but but Barcelona were able to get the two goals to come back and tie. Obviously, there was a polemica, of course, as always, with mm-hmm. the with the Ferran Jao Felix uh, offside goal there at the end that could have gave us the three points. But you know, I think the two takeaways for me with this match with Granada was injuries and injuries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I thing, the thing the thing is, Craig, like. This was always, I mean, every away match is difficult now. You know, there's no such things as easy away matches as we once had them before. You know, where you would say, like this match six years ago, you're easily already saying, eh, we're one or two goals already right off when we get off the bus, you know. And now each away match is going to be tested. And especially with the different iterations of our lineups that we have due to injury, Mm. chemistry, and all those things. So I always knew it was going to be a difficult match. I just didn't think we were going to give up a 23-second goal. We have already allowed 10 goals so mm-hmm. far, and I think it took 23 matches or 30 matches for us to get to the 10th goal. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it was in the threes when yeah, we got yeah, there yeah. last year. But I, th- I think for, for me, the, the, the two things that I, I think for me stood out the most, um, one is that you know ultimately we're beaten by a piece of magic and a mistake. Like We, we had the chat the last time we spoke, and I said, is it systemic errors or is it you know human error? And I think, you know, the second goal is just a great piece of skill and, you, and you've got to applaud it. You know, it's kind of, it, it's not always an error from your team. It, it, it can just be excellence from the other team. And the first one, it is what it is. We got caught cold. I think it's the exception rather than the norm. So I think that's the first thing is that these things are going to happen. We're a young team. We're, we're still, we're still finding who we are and what we want to be and injuries aren't helping and stuff like that. So I think in the grand scheme of things, I thought it was a good game in the grand scheme of things. It's a good point. We, we definitely shouldn't start like that, but it is what it is. We came back. We showed spirit. 
three things sorry not two so that's my first one is that you know <laughs> these things these these things happen and ultimately Wait. we came away without without getting defeated yeah go to go back to your point, because I think last time you talked, you really gave me a, a good thinking moment there when you said, mm. you know, it's not just about what we're doing, but it's also about mm. the success of the other team, especially mm -hmm. if they are going to do a counter. So if Granada's game plan was to counter, obviously 10 out of 10, right? Because they were able to succeed and yeah. get that counter and have us make the mistake that led to two goals. Yeah. So I want to also kind of yeah, 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 100%, well, 100%. You know? and, and, and it has to be that run, the, the run for the second, especially the second goal, the run and the pass has to be by design because it's done too quickly for it to just be random in, in my opinion and, and i think if i'm if i'm the granada manager i'm setting up to play boss on the counter every every day of the week and twice on a sunday so i think that you know i think that was interesting the second point um i was going to make um was around just the, the the offside goal which surely we can all agree is offside um <laughs> I, I just think, you know, I think Twitter is trying to make an issue where there isn't one. Sure. Sometimes, you know, sometimes things will go against us that are, that are correct. Sometimes they'll go against us that aren't. But I think it was, I think it was offside. Um, it's unfortunate, but it was. was a third thing, and this this is only going to be relevant to people that are watching the UK stream unless that stream is shared, which I don't think it is. But when Sergio Roberto came on, <laughs> the commentator declared him one of the best attacking midfielders in the world. And I thought even by my standards of nepotism and just blind faith in that man, I thought that was a bit extreme. And then he went and scored, and I thought, maybe there's something in this, Craig. You know what's funny? I text, I tweeted, I think, five minutes before he came in. Before he, I knew he was warming up. I was just, you know, I had red yeah, zone. Yeah. I had the Barca game, so I, would, my, I was like in sports heaven, you know, on Sunday night yeah, yeah. Uh, before my Niners crushed the Cowboys. But um, I, was, I was on, and I said, you know what this match needs? Sergio Roberto. And then I, I <laughs> kind of focus, refocus, and I see him come in the match. I was like, I was just kidding. And then he scored the goal. And I knew how happy you were when he scored the goal, obviously. Incredible. And tw Twitter was funny. There was, <laughs> some people were saying, that's it. That that shows exactly why he's at the club. Other people were saying, I can't believe this person is still at my club. I just thought it was a funny microcosm of where we are. But no, I, I thought it was a good game, though. You know, I thought, um, you know, I know what you're saying about, you know, several years ago, we would have just turned up and won at these grounds. But kind of what we said last time, I'm, I'm yeah. not sure that's why. I'm not sure that's why I'm after. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I did think we were grotesquely wasteful. And I thought, I thought Ferran was awful. If I'm being, if I'm being frank, I thought he wasted the only good chances Correct. we had that didn't turn into goals. Uh, and I just thought he looked, he looked, is ragged the right word? Erratic probably doesn't convey what I mean. But he looked like he was a bit of a busy fool. You know, he was running, but, like, but I just, I, I didn't see why he was running or where he was running. So this is this is my complete frustration with this, and I and I know that because like today, for example, I'm on my favorite app TikTok, and I see Ferran Torres at training, and he's killing it right with with these strikes that you're just like yeah that's why he's a professional footballer right like he's he's doing these these uh strikes around the wall and doing these things i'm like okay cool but in the match right it, this is what separates you from mediocre you know world-class and all-star mm -hmm. striker you're only gonna have two to three chances in the match Right. I mean, that's clear chances, really, what you're going to have in the match. He had one in the first one. I remember I wrote it down. He had the first one that he had happy feet. And it's like one of those mm -hmm. things where you could say that type of play is when you are maybe coming off preseason and you don't have the timing, that type. But we're already in October now. Like that yeah, type yeah. of that type of stopping the ball and getting ready to fire it should not be. Like, am I going to use my right or my left? And all of a sudden the ball gets left, right? The yeah. second chance, too, was a ball that he had to bring down. Now, I'm not saying it was easy, but this is what distinguishes you as a Barca 
bench player or starter, right? And again, we needed those goals. That's the other thing because we were already down one nothing, you know. And so, to me, I'm you know, like I said in the Porto match, I'm telling you, he looked he was the difference maker in helping to press. But then you have a match like on Sunday where he gets the start, not only because of Lewandowski's injury, but also to reward his effort and the goal from from Porto. And then he just kind of can't bring the goods, you know? And that's where yeah. the frustration, I think, with most Kool-Aids with Ferran Torres. It's like you want this player to succeed. I want him to succeed because ultimately that helps the team. But, like, how do you get better with that? Is it just more yeah. touches inside the box? I don't, I don't know what it is, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because he, he's simultaneously not missing anything, but I know. as in, as in, you know, doesn't have it rather than missing chances. But he's simultaneously not missing anything. But at the same time, I just don't know what he has that you can absolutely bank on, you know, other than effort. And I'm a big believer that effort isn't enough. I used to say it with Dembele, sure. running fast isn't isn't enough. You know, effort is surely that is the absolute base level of uh, what can be expected is you're a, you know, you're a highly paid sports person. You should be willing to run. Like, unless you're playing darts or snooker, I'd expect you to break a sweat. <laughs> and so I, th- I I, just think he's an interesting one. And he's clearly a confidence player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how do you how do you persevere if he's not scoring goals? And I think there was a chance where he was, you know, maybe four yards out and he puts it, he, he puts it high, I believe. Yeah. You know, it's in a, bit, a bit of a one-on-one. And you just think, I, you have to be scoring that. There's not, there's not that many times where I'm like, you, you have to score that goal there. But the keeper's nowhere near it. The defender's not doing enough to put him off, in my opinion. Like you have to score that goal. And if that was Lewandowski, he'd have been crucified for that. So yeah. I thought I thought Ferran was 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 bad. Um I thought uh, I actually thought Joao Felix was, was quite bad, if I'm being if I'm being honest. I thought he he again didn't offer as much as the effort showed. Um, you know, he he was busy, but I just don't think he did anything. And then the main sadness for me was um and I was listening to the Spanish football podcast and Sid Law mentioned it as well, which I, I thought was good because I, I wasn't just imagining it is just how quiet Lamine Mal was, but how much of that was him just not seeing enough of the ball. You know, yeah. you've got this guy, you know, whilst he's on the pitch, we know we need to manage his minutes and manage his performance. And, we, you know, or again, yet another one, we're seeing the, the the downsides of that not not happening this week with him being um, taken out of Spain camp. But if you're going to play him, use him. If you're not going to, if you're not going to use him, don't play him. He's 16 year old. I mean, this is, this is the time where Chavi really has to show his coaching chops, right? Because, you are being dealt the, you know, I don't know if you have too good to go over there in the UK. Do you have too good to go? No. You know what I mean? It's basically no, no. an app. It's basically an app where you um, solicit food from restaurants and bakeries uh, for so they don't uh, waste food. Basically, uh, I've, heard, it, I've yeah? heard of this. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So you know, in in my analogy, that I'm gonna go with right here. You know, Chavi uh, is, you know, the too good to go lineup right now. And he has to come up with something just to bridge the gap until we get our players back because we are just decimated right now with injuries. And I, like you said, give the ball. Up. I don't know what it is. I, I really don't. But the thing is, you got to just come up with something to bridge the gap somehow. I'm not saying you have to be radical. I'm not I'm not trying to say, but I'm just seeing. I don't know. I, you know. Not to to harp on my my 49ers who are five and zero, but the thing is, you know, when you're looking at coaching, professional coaching, right, and especially where the margin for error is so small, right, and so that's where the coaching comes in—a tactical move, a tactical maneuver here and there. And the coach of the 49ers is brilliant at game plan against defenses. And so I just kind of want to see something 
where, especially right now in this moment with this team that's desperately looking for continuity with the patchwork, you know, like who's going to start coming back from the team? You know, I, does Sergio Roberto get the start? Does is Gundogan? it not? Is it not oxymoronic though? Is it not oxymoronic to say that you want continuity with a team that can't be if in no, a no, what I mean, state of telling? No, so, no, no, what I mean, I think, what I, for me, not not continuity with the team. I'm just saying, like, you kind of have to adapt these game plans. Sorry, scrap that. I didn't want to say continuity. I want to say maybe okay. adapt new game plans for specific teams with the players they have available. Right. With my too good to go analogy, I was going to go with is that you know you ha- you ha- don't have the prime ingredients. How are you going to make this a nice dish, right? That's the type of thing. Like, you're not always going to have starting 11, your dream 11. We've seen it already this season. We've had so many iterations of our lineups, mm. very inconsistent. And maybe you have to have, okay, uh, we need to have four midfielders. You know, we need to control the midfield even more and just have two up top. Let's let's do that for now. Let's Let's focus on our defense since we are patchwork right now. You know, I think that can always be a safety net for us to have four midfielders possess and be really defensively sound i don't know i'm just you know i'm just spit yeah just, i don't i don't, I, don't spitfire, no, no, you know? I, I, I hear you i just don't see that's the problem i mean it, it, i haven't looked at many of our games this season and thought i don't know why we're doing x we should be doing y in terms of tactics and whatnot i, I don't think i don't think chavi is setting us up wrong necessarily I, what i think we we are is is exactly what we've been in the sense of we're we're a constant constantly changing team we aren't really settled we've missed some of our most important players at important times and you know I don't think we should always hold a mirror directly up to Real Madrid, but you know, right now, if you if you take out just one player, if you take out Jude Bellingham from that team, you're in a fundamentally different place. If you're sure, you're Ancelotti, sure, sure. and so you know, if we believe that Pedri is the player we believe he is and stuff like that, so I don't think it's Javi. And I think you know, again, you know, something that Sid Lowe was mentioned on the podcast was that Javi was very clearly demonstrating to the team they should try and get Lamine Yamal on the ball more. So I don't think Xavi's doing anything wrong per se. The other thing that I noticed from the game is at one point I thought, well, this is boring. Like we need to try and, you know, basically we, we had loads of the ball, loads of position, we just weren't creating. And I mean, boring in the sense of I was just bored of Xiao Felix. It felt like Xiao Felix and Ferran just kept, yeah, yeah. you know, being wasteful really. And I thought, well, you know, let's see, because I missed, as, as I mentioned earlier, I missed the start because I was making a cup of tea and I didn't see the lineup. But I thought, <laughs> well, let's see, let's, let's, let's see who's on the bench. And I looked at it and I was like, wow, that is yeah. grim. And so the other thing I would say for Xavi at the weekend is that, you know, other than the changes that he made, I'm not sure who, I'm not sure what other changes he could have made that wouldn't have been just genuine throws of the dice, which there's a sure. time and a place for that. I'm not sure game eight, game nine, whatever we are, game eight or nine. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's the game where you, where you make those throws of the dice personally. So I don't think Xavi's doing much wrong to be brutally honest. I think what we do need is we need a bit of luck. We need a bit of consistency. We need some of our players back. And hopefully what we'll see then is the, is the things that we've seen in flashes because there's been times this season we've looked incredible. Um, and the times we haven't, I, I genuinely believe it's been it's been poor individual performances. I don't believe there's anything beyond that, personally. And that might be naivety or optimism, but I think the problems are very superficial, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just always trying to find little solutions here you know and i'm just trying Ring to chase my... baby no time yeah. to sit on in your world. <laughs> i'm just trying to think of you know if i were a player you know and i let's say if i was a, a bench player right i know i'm not mm. optimal for the starting 11 and maybe that system isn't optimal for me and so that's all i'm just thinking outside the box here just you know maybe there has to be you know three different game plans for if we have the dream 11 the mediocre 11 and the terrible 11 you know and how we adapt for specific matches just to get those those points because you know the thing is like for example on sunday if we 
if we have four midfield like strong up there, I'm not saying they don't give up the, the first goal, but I just think maybe we are more defensively sound knowing that we are already going to be weak on attack. You know, that's all I'm saying. I'm just trying to think of different ways flip. of how we can just yeah. be more sound that way. That's it. Flip, flip that on its head, though. Can you imagine if he'd have put Sergio Roberto in from the start? Sergio Roberto gets the ball nicked off him, like I think it was Gavi did, and they go and score after 70 seconds. Can you imagine the reaction that would have got? For sure, for sure. I, he's yeah, da- he's damned if he does, he's damned um, if he doesn't in some, in some way. So I think flooding the midfield with the players we had. I, I hear you in terms of having different approaches. I, I do wonder if... I do I do wonder if Shell Cancelo needs a bit of a, a bit of a rest because he looked weird Amazing. at the weekend. And so I, I do wonder if I do wonder if the solution might be that you know we like, just who do you, who do you put in? You know, that's that's the thing. We're at no I don't I don't I don't I don't have the answer to it, but I just think yeah. I do think instead of looking at which players we should throw in, I do wonder if we should maybe look a little bit more, even though we don't have a exactly a glut of players available, if we look at players that might need to take a little bit of time out. Because yeah. I, I um I, I don't I don't know. I, I see, think this is this is kind of the proactivity that I'm I'm trying to say. Like, I feel you know right now we we know this in the formation we're normally going to be in. We kind of have the players penciled in, but right now the way we don't have the players avail- available, I think he has to come up with different already set lineups right now, barring no more injuries, and saying this is what we're going to use for this match. This is how we're going to go. Because I don't know, like to me over the weekend, it just felt like, especially like you said, Cancelo looks tired, but he's played six matches in a row, you know, <laughs> like the poor guy has it yeah. on a break, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, on top of that is he's doing international duty. So again, as yeah. we talk, you know, there's going to be a lot of heavy legs coming up back from the international break with the players that we have healthy. So, you know, it is a tricky proposition. I'm just, you know, I just, I just want to see more of, I guess, you know, NBA coaching adapted to football where you are changing from game to game by keeping the same framework but adapting for the specific opponents you know i i think yeah i think you know when we you know especially with messi and guardiola we were blessed right that we can those guys never got hurt they seem to never get tired you know they played so many matches together in that 40-year span under guardiola you know and i feel yeah. like that is such an outlier like there has to be a new Especially yeah. with the amount of minutes, um, the different opponents we have, we're just not as high class as we were, you know. And so we have to find different ways just to always be inventive. And I just sometimes I feel that Xavi is stubborn with the, the the mandates and the things that he has, and, and that's it. That I'm just I'm just giving you my two cents about what I think that coaching yeah. should go forward with professional football going forward. Now I think that is the difference, you know, the coaches that are going to have different things on film that the other p- players have to, and the other teams have to scout for, that's going to give you an advantage because you don't know what they're going to come out with. Like those are like, I'm just yeah. always thinking of different ideas of how we can have the advantage because we have the resources to do it. Yeah. But then, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, still unbeaten, you know, what I mean? I know. So even yeah. with all the injuries that we've got still haven't been beaten in the league. Um, so, you know, life is, life is Again, all right. Considering. This is this is the thing, right? I'm just trying to find more beauty. That's it. <laughs> more beauty and winning, you know. That's it. Yeah, that's, I mean, I it's, it, it's, the beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? Of course, who, of course. Who knows what we'd be doing if we had borderline? <laughs> but that's the thing, right? We, I mean, that's why we're Barca fans. We just want to see beautiful football, you know. That's the thing. On top of the winning, you know, that's how we. That's how we yeah. are. Like you said, you're telling me. Like, for example, um, Granada, and they had our record, they'd be flipping out. You know, they don't care how they got there. But we're kind of, you know, like, as, as I was telling you earlier, 
we are looking for three goals, four goals. We want to see how we're going to dance around and make nice passing through balls and connections yep. and those type of things. Well, just to end the segment or the end of the episode, speaking of beauty is the feminine because the feminine is my beautiful game. They won over the weekend, three, nothing. They are leaders in Liga Iberdola. Uh Alexia Putelis, uh tied Jenny Hermosa with 181 total goals, which is crazy because she's a midfielder. Um, and Jenny Hermosa was a forward. So just to give you some context of that, uh, again, they got their 70th win at the Estadio Johan Cruyff Stadium. And again, if you want to see some beautiful flowing football of what reminds me of Guardiola, definitely check the Femini. Uh, they are full action as of right now. So I don't know if you have any last thoughts about the injuries, because that's really the biggest topic right now in Barca world. Craig, I don't know if you have any other lasting <sighs> Finishing thoughts. No, I mean about no, nothing, nothing particularly, nothing particularly insightful. But I do, uh, I did wonder if you saw, uh, so Peter Lowell, who's the chairman of Celtic. I'm not going on a Celtic rant, don't worry. But he sits on the UEFA's committee, and he had an interview midweek where he basically said, "We've basically gone too far. You know, we've effectively bastardized the model, and we're playing too many games now." Mm. And I just thought it was really interesting. That's the first time I can recall someone from the room rather than the training ground saying that and I thought that was interesting Um, I mean don't get me wrong in the same article there was a sports scientist or someone that works in some capacity UEFA around physiology who basically said yeah we just basically need to see more collaboration between clubs and national teams and you know rotate players more which wasn't helpful but (laughs) I think you know it's it's the chink in the armor, isn't it? It's the it's the thin end of the wedge. And so when the, the, now we've seen a chairman say it, um, and someone who sits on one of UEFA's boards, um, I, I just did. I thought that was telling. So we've seen, you know, today we've had two players theoretically leave camp. We had Laminia Malish should never have travelled. I think they've done sure. it just to just to show willing. Sure. Um, uh, and Gavi apparently is limped out of training. So that's one club, two players, one day, first day of international duty. Like it, it's it's too much. It's too much. So. Hopefully we we we. I don't think it'll come soon, but I think that comment hopefully is the beginning of the end for just how many games these players are having to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially at the intensity. That's the other thing. I mean, that's you know, it's one thing to play and not have intensity type, you know, high intensity matches all the time, you know, and that's what it. Yeah, that's what's becoming. And, uh, and that was the that and that was the point. Sorry, just to just to kind of tell, and that was the point that I thought was really fascinating was. So if you listen to Klopp and Guardiola and these play and these managers that are saying you need to you need to protect the players, you need to protect them. Yeah. I always I always get cynical about that. Not not because the point is the point is quite clearly sensible, but more I think, well, players are commoditized nowadays. The the powers that sure. be aren't really that asked. What was really fascinating about Peter Law's comments was he said, um he he basically said to paraphrase, the players are now playing too many games to the point where we can't serve up a good product. And I was like, right, now we're going now we're gonna get to the root of a solution because it's now gonna start impacting dollars. Of and course. dollars will fix this any long before sentiment does. Of course. Always, always. Uh just to give you the next three matches, the one good thing about these next three matches is they're all at home. So coming back from an international break is pretty much a murderous row, kind of just of, yeah. of the type of matches. Uh, first is going to be against Athletic Club, which is always a difficult match, always especially with game. their yeah. Basque razor elbows that they love throwing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then followed up by a Champions League against Shakhtar Donetsk. That should be okay, followed by Clasico. That's going, but the only bad thing about the Clasico, Craig, it's a 415 start time which is the worst start time for a classico that loses so much feeling you'll know the I, feeling when you move here so i struggle the, i struggle see the to difference watch classicos. 
I struggle what? to watch classic wars if I, 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 I can't. I, I'm Craig as where, I'm getting older, where, where, I don't where, have the stomach on. for it. I don't have the stomach for it. Come on, we, we got to dive into this for a second. What, what, what are you talking about? As I've got older, uh-huh. and so I've I've been I, you're young, 30 year old. I mean, <laughs> it's a good job this is an audio podcast because trust me, I am not, I, I do not look like a young anything, never mind a young 30 year old. Um, so I've I've been alcohol free now. That makes sense. Like I was, I had a problem, and I, you know, I didn't let me stress that, but I've been alcohol free now for three and a half years, give or take. No, coming up four years, it'll be four years on okay. Christmas Eve. And I, I can't. I can't enjoy sober classicals, sober Glasgow mm. derbies, or sober Scotland England. I can't do it. And so, despite the fact that it's probably the biggest two games in the calendar for everyone else, I probably won't watch it if I'm being mm, brutally honest. I see, because I, see. I, I, okay. I can't, I can't take it. I can't take okay, it. So, okay. um, three fifteen is good for me because what it means <laughs> is that by the time it's finished, I can check the score, yeah, and then go and watch it back without it being silly o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know it's a very selfish thing, but um, I'm all right with that, to be fair. It's too nerve wracking. I can't do it. The, the ramifications are too big, sober. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. I thought you were going to go a different way. I don't know where you were going to go, but but I understand. I understand. But, you know, you know, once you get here, you'll understand. Spain is all about the night. Okay. Not the That's day. True. The day is for siesta, lunch, and whatever, not for football. Okay. There is a feeling here every time it's a, Champions League match or Classico at night that the cities are buzzing, which is amazing mm. because that's all people are talking about. I remember my first year here in Madrid, the Champions League, it was Barcelona, Madrid. The, the, like there ain't nothing like it. You know, it reminds me yeah. of when I was living in San Francisco Bay Area, like Monday Night Football against like the New York Giants back in the day. Like it was everyone's talking about it. Right. But there's a feeling because when you're walking in Madrid, for example, Every bar you walk by says "Classico here, Classico here," and you're just like, "Hell yeah, let's go!" Right? Four fifteen just just loses the luster of the the gladiator feel of this of this. I match. get, you know, I, I, I get it, it, I get it. And so. do you know what? So obviously, I've I've never been to Madrid while I was in the Classico, but I have been I've been to a Classico camp sure. So and I, and I remember how incredible it was. Throw away a comment. In my opinion, if you feel like you've probably ticked all your boxes, other than the home Champions League game. I think you should start getting some derbies in, mate. I think you should get yourself to Glasgow for a derby. I think you should get yourself to Galatasaray, Fenerbahce. You should get the big ones. Get yourself to a Milan derby. That sh- you should just conquer conquer European derbies. And I think on the most anti-Barca point of all time, that's how we should end. Is that you should basically you should make a list of ten derbies you want to go to. Get patrons. Get anyone else to message you and give you examples. I think a Glasgow derby has to be on there. A home Classico has to be on there. Um, and I think you should get yourself get yourself globe trotting to the all ten right, biggest derbies right, in Europe right. and see what you can do. I will I will start the list. I will start the list. Uh, all right, Craig. Well, I think we've done it. We've done our pub talk, especially during international break. Mm-hmm. We broke down Granada match. Scotland Spain this week. Scotland Scotland Spain on Thursday. Oh yeah. I wonder if there'll be a giant killing and Spain win this time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Shots fired. Shots fired. Uh, Craig, we'll talk soon. Have a good week. Absolute pleasure. Take care, mate. Sports Social Podcast Network.